And for the record, Amy, I'm pretty good at ordering pizza on the phone. So if you need any help with that, you call your friend James. Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Mark your calendars and plan to be with us May 17th and 18th as we bring you the 2023 SMB Online Conference. Check us out at smbonlineconference.com. You'll find we have more than a dozen speakers and two days filled with presentations, plus a format that really works for online conferences. Save $100 by registering today at smbonlineconference.com. All right, welcome back to the SMB Community Podcast. This is James Kernan from Kernan Consulting here with my friends, Amy Babinchek and Carl Palachek. How are you guys doing today? Great. It's early fall. Also great. Good, good, good. Okay, we have a couple of quick announcements. So this is going to air on March 30th. Does that mean, James, that you will actually be in the midst of presenting things? You are correct, Mundo. I will be in Orlando, Florida at the Threat Locker offices for the uh, quarterly mastermind event um, on the 30th and 31st. So that would be a Thursday, yep. Of, of March. Very good. Yep. Uh, other events going on, and we'll put links in the show notes. April 19th, uh, Asigra, one of our sponsors, uh, is doing a webinar on does your backup protect you against the latest ransomware attacks? And uh, that's with me also. And then on uh, April 26th, the National Society of IT Service Providers, Amy is going to be talking with Brian Mahone, who is a cyber insurance specialist and I think, I'm, I'm just going to go on a limb, I think we have about 60 people signed up for that so far, even though it's a month away, but um, sign up for, for both of those webinars and uh, we, we shall see you there. So Amy, uh, why don't we move over, tell us a little bit more about your um, interview with the smart person. Oh, I talked to Barbara Bolt and she is has a business training introverts to be better at uh, making presentations, sitting across the table at a sales meeting, um, you know, doing all the things that we have to do, but so many in our industry are introverted that it's really hard for them to do. And in my talk with her, she gives some great tips on how to do that so we can have a listen. Yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating topic. Amy, you and I have talked about that as well. So I'm eager to uh, learn more, but it, it's ironic because I, I just had a, a client ask me to customize training for their engineers on that very topic. Really? And again, me as an extrovert, that is just normal and natural. And uh, I didn't quite understand what they wanted until I had the opportunity to walk around their office and talk to the people. And just to elaborate, it's everything from a handshake to eye contact and body language and just being more confident in socializing. And, uh, you know, to me, that's almost more life skills, uh, not like leadership 
skills or training, uh, but they they're so important in the business. And how, how Amy pointed it out is just being more effective in presentations, right? Uh, I think that's a that's a, a powerful uh, it's a powerful topic, really. Yeah, and you know my advice when you're look when you're an introvert is I I am an introverted person is to um, focus on the areas of communication that you're already good at and comfortable with and just get better at those right mm -hmm. like you're it's hard to teach somebody to be something they aren't but if there if there are things that you're you're good at focus on those things first mm -hmm. right get better at those and then maybe the other stuff the other stuff will come as i i told barbara in the in the the interview when i spoke to her i said um and you'll hear this <laughs> i said you know i i'm fine to get up in front of an audience and speak but i still can't order a pizza there's something about the telephone that just doesn't work to me so you are never going to turn me into a person that picks up the phone and starts calling people and pitching services and telling them about what I want to do. I'm much better in person, much better on video stuff, but there's just something weird about the telephone that I can't do. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I don't think it's so much becoming a person that you're not as doing something you're not comfortable with. Because like uh, the, the speaking on stage is a perfect example. I know many, many people that like I literally when I'm on stage, for me, um, I guess I get a sense that uh, I'm in charge. And so I don't have to like explain why I get to have a voice. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I, I literally never talk to strangers at a bar. Like I will never go up to somebody that I don't already know at a bar and start a conversation. It's it's never happened so far in my life. I don't expect it, it will at this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know. And, and, but I think it's understanding uh, what makes you comfortable and, and not, you know, you need to kind of assess that and be, be honest with each other. Right. I also think uh, if you're talking about something you know about, it's easier. It's much easier to talk to a client about networking than it is about, yeah. Hey, how's your family and how are you doing? And uh, are your staff doing okay? <clears throat> you know, and right, all that personal stuff. Uh, is much more difficult than, um, you know, whether or not you should get a faster laptop or more memory. We do twice annual uh, trainings for our clients, right? Where we bring them in and also prospects. We mix them, right? We mix our prospects in with our clients and we do we do a training session, right? We invite them to the free training. And um, I make all of my techs get up and talk and give the, give the training sessions. And oh my God, I make each of them give one, any topic they want to do, right? So it's the topic that they they think that they can do. So they're starting from that point. Um, but I have to teach them a process, right? And I, I have a process, so I end up teaching them my process. But right, going through, preparing your materials, getting your PowerPoint, setting up your demos, right? completing a thought process from beginning to end, writing an outline, you know, all this stuff. And we go through this for three months beforehand until we finally get to the day, right? We do a dress rehearsal where everybody gives their presentation and 
uh, you know, before. So they're super, super well prepared. Um, but man, are they nervous. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, we all go out to dinner afterwards. The energy at that dinner is so high. They mm-hmm. are so excited. One, they're, they're glad it's over because they were so nervous about doing it. But they're also feeling so accomplished at the end of that. Like they did all this work for three months for this one half hour presentation. They survived. They got great feedback from the audience and they're just on a high for the rest of the day. Right. <laughs> Barbara Bolt today. Barbara, welcome. And thank, thank you. you for talking to me. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be invited. You know, you do something I never heard of before. And I've, you know, been an introverted person my whole life. I was the child that hid behind her parents' legs and didn't talk to anybody. And they had to be brought out all the way to the point where I'm fine with getting up on a stage in front of 150 or 300 people or whatever it is and giving my presentations. But to this day, I still cannot order a pizza. Yes. Um my view of communication is that anybody can learn to be better at it. And that includes introverts. It includes extroverts. Um, and my, as you know, my um, target population often is the people whose first language is in English. Uh, they can also become good communicators in English. It's often a matter of putting attention on certain things, figuring out what your default communication style is, figuring out where you, where you need to move in order to accomplish the goal that you have, which may be speaking to a room of 300 people. And then how do we move you along the gap and and uh, get people to feel comfortable? I think that's really important. You know, I can't make you into an extrovert. You'll never be one. However, you, be. you can <laughs> and probably have found a comfort level. Right. When you're in front of a room of 150 or 300 people, you probably have figured out what that what you need to feel like in order to be effective in speaking to that audience. Is that true for you? Yeah. You know, I sort of developed a method of preparing Mm -hmm. that makes me makes me feel confident than when I'm when I'm on stage. And also, I know I know what I'm talking about. So I don't lack confidence. I lack extroversion. The people that are listening to this podcast, uh, you know, a lot of IT people are introverts. I'll even say most of us are. Um, But in their experience is probably more about talking to a potential client or talking to to talking to an end user or providing someone advice on something. Right. Kind of asserting yourself. Maybe um, speaking of a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So what tips do you have for them? Well, I've broken them down into three categories that are based on what introverts tend to struggle with. And I really like what you said that introverts don't often don't lack confidence. They just sound unconfident because of and it's and it has to do with energy. It's how much energy you're you're able to garner and put out there. And some people have a lot of energy, high extroverts, for example, with not a lot to say. But then you have people with a lot to say who are highly intelligent, but they lack this this energy. So one thing that introverts often struggle with is spontaneity. Introverts need to think before 
they speak. So if you're in a meeting and something comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I should make a contribution, it's often difficult because you haven't had time to organize your thoughts or think through what you want to say. I had a client a little while ago who described this as rambling. He said if if he did open his mouth without having that chance to organize his thoughts, he just went all over the place and failed to make a point. So I think you alluded to the solution for this one. Try Prepare. You need to have done some preparation in advance. And that can mean trying to get a hold of an agenda before a meeting or you know, knowing what it is that you're going to want to speak about and then thinking your way through that before you enter the room or before you're in that situation where you need to speak about it. So that is um, a tip to be prepared and even to the point where you've spoken it. Maybe you, I won't say everybody needs to script, but you have your thoughts in order. So maybe you have bullet points and you've at least expressed what you feel like you want to express because I think that advanced practice. Um, the other thing I was going to say about scripting is that you never want to have a script anywhere near you when you're actually speaking because you'll read it and people can tell when you're reading. And it's also very hard to figure out where you need to get back to in a whole script. So bullet points. I teach people to create the outline, script from the outline, go back to your modified outline, and use the keywords and bullet points as your guide. That generally works pretty well. So the second thing that people, that introverts, not only introverts, but people sometimes are not clear on is how to create a persuasive message. Oftentimes we are needing to get people to take action in some way, shape, or form. Uh, sometimes we refer, refer to that kind of communication as a pitch, but it's really just how do you get people to take action? And there's a certain structure that works in order to create that kind of communication. And in my work with people, it's one of the key things I teach them. And they're often like, wow, this works so well in so many different situations. And it's basically starting with the problem, what needs to be addressed, what is the solution, your proposed solution to that problem, and then what is the difference that that will make? What's the change that happens? Um, as, as opposed to just talking about a solution without either problem before it or transformation after it, nobody has anything to relate that solution to. Right. Yeah. And we do that a lot in, in IT. You know, we're making proposals all the time. Right. About and how to solve I, problems. Right? Yeah, how to solve problems, right? And then what is the business value? Because, exactly. um, you know, I just always have the phrase here that IT has no purpose other than to make business great. So if you can't, if you can't find the reason why you're doing this thing, then yeah. don't do it, right? The other tendency that people, technical people can have is to get into the weeds too quickly with people who maybe don't have the same knowledge base that they do. So when you're dealing with a person, your client, you constantly have to remind them. So we need to make this change in order for you to get this outcome. So you've always got to be coming back to, it's almost like the consultants have to continue to sell in a way. They have to continue to sell the solution in order to get the client on board with um, maybe some difficult changes that they have to make. And so oh my it, gosh, if you use the word sell, though, you've lost them. 
<laughs> well, and you, it isn't right. It's, yeah. it, but it is. It is. I know. <laughs> I know it is. But yeah. It, it's that reinforcement of why people are doing it. And so that's all selling is really is okay. We, you contracted with us for this outcome. Um, this is the problem you started with. We need to do this, this, and this. Even if you're in a phase of that project, okay, now we're entering phase three. We've accomplished one and two. This We need to complete phase three in order for you to get this change. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's not hardcore um, in your face type of sales, which everybody hates. However, that's why I refer to it as persuasive messaging because it's it's really always keep helping people keep in mind the difference that you're making or, or you're, they're going to get. So the third thing I wanted to bring up is related to delivery. And this is where we get into that energy thing. How much energy do you have in your voice? How much energy do you feel in your body when you're standing up in front of a room or even if you're just inner, you know, uh, interjecting in a meeting? And so one of the things I help people with is is thinking about their voice because many people don't. You seem to have because you know that your voice isn't super powerful. But there are ways that there are things you can do and, and techniques you can practice to get more power and more um, oomph, <laughs> I guess we could say, in your voice. And this gentleman I met yesterday, this is one of his issues. He speaks with at a very low energy level. So what I often do with people is I take them to an extreme. I, I give them a script and I say, walk around your house speaking this script in a very exaggerated way. You're going to feel ridiculous. And I often give them the Steve Jobs um, commencement speech because mm. he's got be young, be foolish. He's got all these really fun words in there. And they walk. You, the exercise is to speak this script and it can be any script at a very exaggerated level so you know what that feels like in your body that's the really key thing is it's so somatic exercise because you need to know the exaggeration in order to come back to a middle place where you feel comfortable so it you have more energy than you started out with but it you get to a place where it's an energy level that you can sustain for example, if you're giving a speech to 300 people, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's 45 minutes, you've got to be able to sustain that energy level for that period of time. So it can't be off the charts, and I don't want anybody to be inauthentic or feeling ridiculous, but you need to also know in your body, okay, when a, you know, maybe you get into a meeting and you're in your default mode of being too quiet and you think, OK, my, I'm not feeling in my body the way I need to feel if I'm projecting and if I'm per communicating with more energy. And it's that energy that brings across the confidence. Right. You're already confident, but this helps you sound like it. So that's, I mean, the exercise of reading some text that you enjoy, but not not anything, you know, Shakespeare can work, I guess, but we don't want a, anything too calm. <laughs> you need kind of an exciting text. Um, right. Reading that in your house and just walking around and doing that, you can you can get to that place where you'll feel the energy and be able to project more energy when you need to. 
the other thing that in my work that I really am very conscious of is being very empathetic because I know this isn't easy for people. And I think people sometimes feel a certain amount of shame around the fact that they, you know, are not communicating like a leader if we want to put it in those terms. So it's that I, I create safe spaces for people to, to uh, grow in. That's the way I like to refer to it. Well, I think you're doing amazing work and thank you for sharing your tips with all of us introverts today. Well, thank you for having me, Amy. It's been fun. Well, we have a new feature called the MSP Question of the Week. So we're going to see this in every podcast going forward. And our first question is, do you blog and should an MSP blog? Mm. What do you guys think? I think blogging is one of the most basic and fundamental things that an MSP can do. First of all, I would say the, the most fundamental thing you can do is have a newsletter. Even if you have 12 people, like the only people who read your newsletter are your 12 clients, you should have a newsletter. Um, and the easiest way to blog is to take an article from your newsletter and stick it on your blog. And don't worry that people are going to see the same thing twice. They won't. Very few people are going to read both your newsletter and your blog. But some customers and some prospects will see your blog. And, you know, your, your goal is different than, uh, you know, some famous blogger with a million followers. Your goal is to have a communication system for your clients and a place where you can say, here's what's going on with technology, with ransomware, with whatever. And, uh, or here are the new products that we think that you should buy or a new service that uh, we're going to be rolling out. So uh, I think you absolutely should blog, even if you don't like writing. Uh, personally. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, we're in the people business. There's so much competition and our customers buy from us. You know, we're, we're consultants. They, they buy from us because of our opinion. And this is a great opportunity to differentiate yourself and, and share your opinions, uh, your beliefs um, and educate, you know, the, your audience, you know, whatever that looks like, but I, I think it's imperative. And, and to me, I like Carl's point as well. You kind of blend it in the blog with newsletters, you know, you just kind of blend a couple of your articles together. You know, I, I like the use of both, uh, but I'm, I'm a marketing guy. So uh, I think they're very, very important. I've never actually done a newsletter. <clears throat> it's for, for my MSP, but I do, I do have a blog and one thing I'll say is that I think it's important to know who your audience is, right? So, so my MSP's blog is populated with the clients, right? We 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 immediately sign up our contacts with that that client, but we also get as many of the end users as well because the, what I like to blog to them is how to do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to come up to and we just do it once a month and we, you know, here's how you do this, here's how you do that, right? Just just one simple thing goes out once a month and, um, you know, and there it is. And sometimes it might go out a little more if there's something like, oh, you know, we should show, teach people how to do 
this, right? Everybody knows how to write that who's a tech, right? You can just write those steps down and then write a little, a little few intro words and a few exit words and you're done. It's not a hard, not a hard thing to do, really. It's something you could even spread around amongst your amongst your tech staff. Yeah. Right. Teach somebody how to, you know, do this in Word. Teach somebody how to use a search folder in Outlook, you know, whatever it is. Um, and just just do it. But I would say if you're going to use your blog for marketing, I would make it a separate blog. Really? I, I would. I don't I don't want to be remarketing to my clients over and over again, asking them to do business with us when they already do business with us. Mm-hmm. I would find that annoying. I hate when people market stuff to me that I've already bought from them. That's annoying. So so when I think of it, I think of it in terms of not like an advertisement, but for example, if you have if you have yet another article on how to keep yourself safe from ransomware, I don't consider that marketing. I consider that educational, yeah. although it leads to them buying further products from us or services. Uh, and, and it's the same way with, I mean, even the laptop of the quarter or whatever, I think clients see that you are actively participating in your own business. You know, people always go on and on and on about SEO, which is, you know, the snake oil of the 21st century. Um, I think SEO is a checkbox. And, and then people think it's going to go to work for them for the rest of their lives, but they have a static website that never, ever, 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 ever changes. And Google has no reason to re-index it because the, nothing has changed. A blog allows you to constantly be changing your website and updating it, and then Google re-indexes it, and then it gets refreshed, and then it becomes more relevant with more content. That's the real SEO, is actually having something that that Google thinks is worth showing the world. Yeah, yeah, I like uh, I like good marketing shouldn't be salesy. Good marketing should be educational, entertaining. You know, I call it edutainment. It's a little combination of both if you can. Um, and uh, I love the idea of the the how to's, Amy. Have you ever have you ever considered doing something like that on on video? I don't because I personally don't like video. I know mm. it's supposed to be a great marketing tool, but because I don't enjoy watching the videos, I don't I don't make videos. But you certainly could. I, I, you know, I hear they have great success. I just can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of tapped back into your our personality types. I know Carl's the YouTube king, so uh, he <laughs> likes video. And obviously, I think of blogging and newsletters as a form of marketing and and educating. So you know, anything you can integrate with video is going to perform typically better. So just just for the record, Tom Lawrence of Lawrence Systems is the YouTube king. Yes. So uh, I, I I am a, a, a pauper who shines his shoes on, on a day when I'm lucky. And maybe <laughs> maybe in the top three, then I should say. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> but, you know, what happened, to be honest, is I committed to doing um, my SOP articles as blog posts, I mean, as videos. And um, so I started going through and, and doing those and, you know, did whatever, 300 of them or so. And I don't learn much through video unless it's something that's like 
either related to space science or physics or something where I can see a visual model that I wouldn't otherwise get, but like things like, I don't know, business processes and so forth. I don't learn very well with, with video because it's slow and I read very, very fast. So for me, uh, I'd rather consume education by some other means. Um, Interesting. But, you know, yeah. I am not my audience. So There's I, different yeah. learning styles though, right? So right. I, I met a guy recently and he told me, you know, I had posted a PowerPoint thing and then um, he's a member of our peer group. And then I had, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm not going to give you guys the whole presentation, but let me just show you, you know, some of the highlights of, of this PowerPoint and you can grab the rest from it. And he said, thank you for doing that because I don't learn from reading. I need to be able, I need to hear it. So in his case, you know, that's going right. to be a video guy. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a visual learner. So you know, um, and also kind of a Google King where I feel fearless as it relates back to being able to do any project in my house now. Uh, you just Google it and watch the video of how to. And uh, now I'm an expert plumber, electrician and all the above. <laughs> well, that's where actually uh, Tom Lawrence excels is that he will show people this is how we fish a wire through a wall and make sure that we don't interrupt with this, that, the other thing, and, you know, do it safely and within code and all that. And then people search for that. They find the how-to and then they go, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to do that. So they call Tom. <laughs> is there any chance I can hire you to do this? One time I interviewed him uh, and he said that he'd gotten 150, over 150 jobs from people who saw his YouTube videos and didn't want to do it themselves. So, wow. Well, totally. It doesn't even, it doesn't have to be complicated. So, you know, I mentioned about putting out those how-to blog posts. It's like, I, that happens to me all the time on, you know, on third tier where I do more technical stuff pushed out to, you know, toward MSPs. And it's like, and it immediately, you know, I will get people opening tickets who are like, oh, I just read your blog post about, you know, how to configure a tax surface reduction in endpoint manager. Do you think you could do that for us? I'm like, well, I just gave you a step-by-step -step on exactly what to click on and how to enable that. But sure, you could pay me $250 to do that for you. Absolutely. Right? But that's that's what people want to do. So it don't never be afraid about providing too much information in your blog. Yeah. Right. And when those people contact you, they don't expect it to be free. They expect nope. it to be like, I see this, I read the words, I'm not going to do that because I will break my own system. That's that's their belief. Um, but you won't break my system. And so they clearly are expecting to pay for it before they get. Yep, it. you're an expert, clearly. You wrote about it. And so now I want to hire you. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this is James signing out. Be sure to uh, subscribe and listen on any of your favorite uh, podcast feeds, uh, Apple, Spotify, and all the above. So good, good, uh, good conversation today. Thanks, you guys. Thank you all. Thank you for tuning into the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.